an amazing job that we have. We do stuff. It's not a real job. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sitting there designing a French ministry based on the 1920s. That it's like this isn't real. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just. We're doing at the moment. Oh, I'm working on oh, just doing a large crater for an impact from Superman. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Where other people, yeah, would love to do our jobs, and I feel very grateful that we get to do it. Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Poonam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is Sam Leake, who always wanted to have a creative career, so he studied model making for design and media at the Arts Institute Bournemouth. After graduating, Sam worked as a prop maker for a number of years on films such as Captain America, First Avenger and Harry Potter and The Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2. With the intention of having a more design orientated career and having been exposed to the work of the art department whilst on jobs, Sam decided to have a career change and work towards a role in the art department, beginning as an assistant for production designer Stuart Craig on the film Gambit. And subsequently has worked his way to being an art director. Sam has worked as an art director on films such as Maleficent 2, Mistress of Evil, Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald and Justice League to name a few. Hi Sam. Hello, how are you? Uh, good thank you, how are you? Very yeah good. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me, it's very kind. No it's, I'm excited about our conversation. So I'm going to start by asking you're an art director and yep. what does that involve? So as an art director, I work see, within the art department and we have uh, a production designer, which is the main designer for the film. And he'll work the main design and continuity for the film as its subject. So underneath him, he will have his art directors. And then we have a sort of pyramid of people below that from assistant art directors to draftsmen, junior draftsmen, art department assistants and coordinator. Um, and then as an art director, I work taking the designs from the production designer and using the concept art and his design brief, produce then the sets that you will see and we, we then film in. So he is then in charge of creating the vision for the director to film his film in. So we have the script and we'll have a script breakdown and within that we'll break down into what sets will need to be built and which sets will be locations, what will be visual effects ex extensions. And along then with the work from the concept artists, we will then break that down into the set build elements. And then as an art director, I'll be nominated, say, a few sets, depending on the size of the film. And then I turn that into a working drawing, which can then be budgeted by the construction manager. And then working drawings that then can be used for construction. And then we can actually build the physical set. So it starts off as a very creative conceptual role where you're working with the concept artist and the production designer to produce imagery that we can then use to sell the set to the directors and producers to say this is what we believe this scene would be built into or we can film this into it it provides all the necessities that are scripted for the action sequences say or stunt work or um, amount of people that need to be in it and then that it's taken then to a, a measured layout because we obviously need to maybe get it onto the stage mm. um, and that allows then the construction manager to have something to budget on and then we, it continues its way down so then it, it goes from the sort of conceptual role to then project manager role where you're then overseeing the drawing side through the draftsman sampling with the construction team 
paint samples, working with the set decorator then to what they need to then pick and choose and select for finishes. And then also then liaising with all the other departments that are involved. So if it's a a set that involves uh, special effects, then you'll be liaising with them to fulfill their needs and, and, and how their role is interpreted into the set and producing drawings that will affect them. And then even through to costume as well, if it's a large crowd scene, then we'd, we'd have to facilitate open space for them. So, yes, uh, it's a complex role that involves a lot of different skill sets yeah. throughout the process of the films. We do a lot of hand drawing, a lot of digital work, a lot of 3D modelling, and then also a lot of communication down to communicating with a carpenter on the stage or a scenic painter. Yeah, to, to then ultimately get the, the set built for day one of filming. You've given us a very nice overall picture there. It sounds a very, like you say, it's a very multifaceted job and involves a lot of different skills. So I'm going to circle back to your beginning. How did you get into this industry? Okay, so well, well, I didn't intend to end up in the film industry in the sense that I didn't know it was an avenue that you could do as a career. I think as I was doing my naval art and um, onto foundation art, and uh, at the time, the careers advice was only really if you were in a creative environment like that, it was you were going to be a product designer, an architect. (laughs) <laughs> or a fine artist it wasn't uh, there wasn't this in, in fact theater wasn't particularly known at the time as a, I think something that you could do so I, I was always then design led in what I wanted to do but when it came to university courses I was applying for automotive design product design and it was oh, only wow. then that I came across courses that were more material based and the, the one I ended up doing was model making for design and media um, at Bournemouth and it was the first time actually I think the word media came involved in my education it was kind of yeah. okay design and media but I chose to do it because I thought well it would be good to do a course that was very much hands-on workshop based with a design intent still but be able to get the knowledge of processes and manufacture to then hopefully be better later on in the design world at that point in time I still didn't think that film would be an avenue that I was going to be working towards but it was during that course that I definitely now know there were turning points that you kind of go oh right and you realize that your character and the things you're interested in and the things you've done in your past are leading you into that direction yeah even though I've only ever lived six miles away from Pinewood Studios. I had <laughs> no knowledge of its existence through my, my early education. Oh. It was always a thing that films were made in Hollywood and America. So I was coming out of university and it was a very small course. I think it was only 26 of us. And there was a group of then maybe what was it, six of us that I think our characters and our work up to that point had splintered off towards film and theatre. So we packed up our portfolios at the end of our graduation and we had all actually planned to sit on the beach being down in Bournemouth and have a nice (laughs) summer after our graduation on the beach (laughs) and we actually had a tutor that said don't be stupid get up go do it now we graduated in the June go and do it get get off your backside and go and find work now because it's going to get hard it will be harder if you don't and, and looking back now, it was probably the best bit of advice at the time because we didn't realise, but we were trying to get into an industry that is notoriously hard to get into. And time at that point was of the essence because it was, right, we're fresh, we're ready to go, we've got our new portfolios, let's get up and do it. And we, we did. And it was, um, we travelled up, stayed at my mum's, three of us on the, on the floor 
um, oh. back at my mum's house with nothing but our portfolios and, uh, and maybe, your dreams. <laughs> yeah, and a freshly printed CV because it was before the time of emailing people. It was uh. much more a series of kind of cold calling. Hello. Uh, <laughs> can I come and see you with my portfolio? And, and that would be met with a either a, sorry, we haven't got any work on at the moment, or a, yeah, well, put it in the post and, and we'll see what happens. Wow. And and we did, we did that. And we, and we had a hit list of companies. Again, this wasn't in the film world so much. This was the third party companies that did commercials, music videos, special effects and models. Because of course, at this point in time now, I was aiming as a prop maker, model maker. And we then went around as a little merry band in a car, driving around, <laughs> showing them our portfolios. And I think some of them just did it just to entertain us and see what the, the new <laughs> new students were up to. Because a lot of them were <clears throat> full of some of the people that had graduated maybe the year before. And we kind of they went back and enjoyed a bit of summer. And then slowly, some of the phone calls kind of came through of, oh, we might have a job on. And one of the phone calls that came through was actually on a film. It was on Alexander and it was somebody working in the costume department who graduated the year before, had heard we were now graduated and said, look, they're looking for people here. Where, where are you? And we actually at the time, I think we're driving through Uxbridge, having just visit, visited a creature effects company and sort of said, well, we're just actually in town. And they, we turned the car around, drove to Pinewood and it was the days where you could just turn up at Pinewood and uh, say, hello, we're here to see somebody. And they'd go, yeah, sure. And let you in the gate. <laughs> Not the case now. <laughs> Not anymore, of course. It's um, obviously, as it should be, much more secure. So we did. We turned the car around, drove down, saw somebody there. And they said, OK, great. Can you start the next day? Luckily, that was our sort of doorway that opened and, and we were let in. So we started the next day, suddenly realised that we had a job now. We couldn't go and enjoy the, the beach anymore. And we did. We started. And I was making prop costume um, armor for Alexander. And that led on and on. And, and that was it. That was our sort of step into the film world, into the gates of the film studios and onto a film. But as a costume maker then, wow. I'd studied as a model maker and I actually ended up working as a costume maker and then costume dresser. So it was... Ah, it's it's funny, I think, um, with everyone that's been on, I think most of us that work in it, the kind of path that you take is never very straightforward, is it? It's usually very winding, many yeah. forks in the road, kind of different options and different experiences, isn't it? It is. And it's only with hindsight you can look back and realise, even to the fact that those guys that I was heading up to town to find work with, that we all had very similar childhoods and growing up experiences as well, whether we what we were interested in the music we're listening to and you suddenly realize that you're all unknown to you kind of being funneled along into a, a that becomes your career and they're all <laughs> still working in the same environments um you know wow. they're all still within the film world so yeah so that was it so we were we were in the in the door and uh set free into the film world <laughs> <laughs> and then you carried on in the prop world didn't you and yes. then but you had a career technically what you would class as a career change to move into the sort of, into I the art department how yeah. was that yeah I, I carried on as a as a model maker and, and after working in you know getting into a film you suddenly realize that actually it's quite a different environment to the how you believe you know to, to a normal career I guess people on the outside world to, to having a a regular job that of course the film finished and then you're left to a kind of oh right okay what do I do what's the where, where's the next one and you're back <laughs> to the beginning you're back to that yeah. ah right okay I need to find out who supervisors are and who 
you know, what, what is this next film? Where do you find that information out? And it's still obviously a bit like that. Yeah. But at that time, then the CVs that we'd posted out started sort of having a bit of traction. And I was getting phone calls then from those third party companies to go and do commercials and music videos. So I stepped then into those worlds and I spent a few years working for several of the companies, moving from one to the other, um, sometimes because they ran out of work, others because it was a good time to step into the other one. Because I thought it would be, it's, it's a good thing to not stay in the same place and you get to meet new people, you get to learn new processes, but always then still, yeah, as a, as a maker. Um, and then went back into films and worked on other films and um, went abroad with a few films. And in fact, where I met my partner Fiona was actually out yeah. on film. Episode six, everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. so we were out there working on an animation film, which is obviously very prop heavy and, and maker involved. But so I did that up in, well, in 10 years, I think, in total. And I got to the point where it was a decision of, OK, I am here. This is where I am now as a maker. Uh, if I carry on doing this, I think it will be what I, yeah, I, I'm at a level that I'll be you know, maybe workshop supervisor or head of props or something. Is that what I want to do? Or do I now look again at where I was going at the end of my graduation and, and why I decided to do those courses, which was to be design orientated and take this as an opportunity while I don't have the commitments that I have, will have in the future to take that risk and start again um, and I had then become aware of the art department I didn't know of its existence as a prop maker to begin with but working on Harry Potter and having more involvement with art directors and these people who were draftsmen and this whole department that lives upstairs <laughs> you kind of go who is that oh it's the production designer all right what do they do well they design the film that you're building things for oh right okay um, that this was actually something that I became very interested in and thought I want to be involved in that. I think that's the design avenue I want to go to. So I stopped. It was after Captain America, I think it was, that I, I think that was the last film I worked as a full-time prop maker on. I worked on some afterwards as I sort of transitioned across. But So I, I stopped and I realised I had to reinvent my portfolio because I had a portfolio that was aimed towards head of props it was all the finished product it was the prop or, or whatever made from the drawings that I now yeah. realized that I needed to fill my portfolio with so I had to learn how to draft and I had some knowledge of that but I had to make sure I was confident in the fact that the knowledge I thought I had was correct mm, that this is yeah. actually something that fitted that role so I reinvented my portfolio I took out all the photographs of all the finished props and I put in then drawings that I did of props or offsets and went away and read a few books did a lot of drawings I did do a course at Pinewood uh, and that allowed me to again be confident in knowing that what I thought I could do was yeah. actually what somebody would give me a job for <laughs> so <laughs> so I did that I went and yeah, did a lot more photoshop work and created a new portfolio and then started again used a few of the contacts that I'd known now through working in film to say hey do you think I could give them a call and started again started phoning supervising art directors and coordinators saying hey uh, can I come and show you my new portfolio and yeah and went along to interviews some were positive and some were very well they, they were all positive I think if you work in any creative role you have to know about criticism and, and take it positively yeah, course, otherwise yeah. you're never going to progress yes so I was showing a portfolio that was being compared to people who have now studied film design and had these shiny portfolios and mine was 
you know, much more home created. And that that was my stepping stone then into the art department. So I, I, I moved on in, into that. And I was then, after doing a few interviews, offered a couple of positions and took a position as an art department assistant. So an art department assistant is then first level in. Usually, maybe there'll be three assistants, depending on the size, but a, a good size film will have maybe three assistants, two possibly and your role is then overseeing the day-to-day running of of the department so everything from yeah unfortunately making sure the kitchen's stocked with tea and coffee to very important very extremely (laughs) important but the real important job and the the most important learning thing from the art department assistant role is that you are the person that construction and carpenters and plasterers see because you go and issue the drawings. You're the one that prints out and runs the drawings down to the departments. So you're the face that they see of the art department. And for the future of your career, it's the best possibility to build those relationships with the people that later on you'll be communicating more as they build your sets, hopefully. Um, and you're seeing the drawings, you're seeing the different styles and uh, you're, you're seeing everybody in that department. So it was a, a small little film called Gambit. It was the first film after Harry Potter for Stuart Craig as production oh, designer. Oh, wow. And I yeah, was fortunate enough to, to become his art department assistant. And it was a great learning curve for me because it was a smaller film. There weren't many of us. It was very, you know, obviously established designer and supervisor, a very established team. And then me <laughs> kind of winging it. <laughs> but because it was so small, my role had stretched um, across the art department in the sense that I was not only having to provide the tea and coffee I was then being sent to survey up a location to then come back draw it up issue the drawing take it to construction who were based at Shepton we were based at Ealing and really cover a lot of bases it was a very hands-on job it was very much mm-hmm. a kind of right this is the location we've got to get in there tomorrow turn this, this stately home round to look how we want it and then get ahead to the next location because we're going to be using that as weather cover we need to get in there make sure that's dressed and ready so i wasn't doing the sort of usual art department assistant role i was having to kind of cover a lot of bases and yeah. stretch my skill set and ability and hopefully well it hopefully did pay off because i'm still here and well, got, got employed now, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great it was a great steep learning curve but a, a brilliant one learned a huge amount I've carried forward into into the roles further than that and now you're working as an art director so yeah, it paid off it, it did, um, yeah. I can imagine there's a lot of people that actually may consider a sort of career change within the creative industry was it quite scary kind of it that was, initial it was because I was going from a very comfortably paid about to be senior prop modeling rate to you know entry level art department assistant and but no there, there was a financial risk there was a, a career risk because you know I was saying I don't want to do this anymore I want to do something else so you know everyone was very supportive in the prop world um I didn't want to make yeah I didn't want to lose connections there because hey, it could have all gone horribly wrong and I'd be yeah. coming knocking on the door saying actually can I have a job again because it didn't all work there's yeah. the risk that I wasn't going to get any art department role or that the role that I did get wasn't up to what I thought I was going to be, that I wouldn't be any good. Yeah, it's a creative world. You're always paranoid that what you're doing isn't the best and other people are better than you and that is it really what I should be doing, you know. So, yeah, it, it's risky. You it, can't say it wasn't really risk, but I don't think that's any, any of those reasons were strong enough not to do it because otherwise 
you're always looking at what if, what oh, if only I'd have done it, if only I'd have done something else. I really wanted to do that. Oh, I never did because I just carried on. And I was suddenly very conscious that, yeah, maybe years would go past and you go, oh, and now I can't because I have more bills to pay. You know, I have, yeah, it was definitely, it was risky. It was calculated risk, but still a risk nonetheless. No, I think it's um, very brave, actually. Oh, and, thank you very much. Yeah. Don't, no, I don't it's... know if, if brave stupidity or just um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> of um, what the outcome no, but I, th- I think there's a lot of us that I'm in, like the, a big question of what if or should I or will it work? And actually to take the plunge. And like you said, obviously you put a lot of thought into, you know, your decision. But I think either way yeah. is a, a big decision and it's a, a brave thing to do. And obviously it's worked out for you as well, which is really great. Um, but you don't know until you try, right? Don't know until you've so. done it. No. Uh, I also yeah, have to thank the people that were behind me and Fiona, my partner, and supporting me when I did it because, you know, financially we, our income went, our incomes combined went down. Um, but also the people that I did work with in props who knew what I wanted to do. And in those sort of stepping stone jobs of art department assistant and junior draftsman and draftsman, I was able to sort of top up our income and, and step back into prop world and knowing that them knowing that I wasn't going to be taking on a full-time position but I would be able to jump back into the workshop do a few weeks on Snow White and the Huntsman I think and 47 Ronin we did so I was doing little bits of daily work I did some illustration work um, and it allowed me to fill the gaps between art department roles uh, and then when it was that I became more established then of course I, I haven't done any prop works for years. I think it's really cool and actually um then my next question in relation to that would be then you have that experience as a prop maker and um, all that practical experience as yeah. well. How has that then informed your your job as an art director? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's invaluable. I think it's it was something that I had intended to not necessarily become an art director, but intended to get that material experience to be hopefully better as a designer in the later years. And it has. It, I, I do feel confident in talking to people about construction methods without wanting to be uh, you know very wary that I don't want to be patronizing and say well I would make it like this because that's not <laughs> my role my role is the what, what I want it to look like um but I I hope that it helps in construction or set deck or whoever in that I've I've thought out how I think it would be built and what I think the material may be you know more than just just picking a visual I'm also very aware that I don't allow it to restrain and constrict what I would design because I think, oh, no, we can't do that because we can't build it. I'm I'm very aware that the design becomes the first priority and that the material manufacturer is immediately not my responsibility in the sense there's a construction department about that. And again, I don't want to tread on their toes how their methods would be but that I'm knowledgeable enough to know, well, I think it is feasible that we could do it like this and have constructive conversations with construction or special effects. And also then providing solutions that I think if they've got an issue with how they may think they can build it and the design is restricting that, that I can then put forward an idea that helps the design and helps them at the same time to us ultimately getting it built and on set and working. So yeah, so I do, I do think it's, it has become invaluable and I'm, I'm glad I have put the time in maybe to, to build and, and work yeah. on that knowledge. No, that makes complete sense. So then talking about set, what has been your favourite kind of job or that been your favourite set? It's difficult because you put so much into building a set, a little bit of you goes into each one, I think, because it's an intense 
working environment there's a lot yeah. of stress of will it get done you know what is it going to work it, what i really do like is the yeah the french ministry that i did for fantastic beasts 2 was a big build it was a big undertaking it was a big design brief it, it did take a lot out of me at the time you, I, I you love it and hate it you love it because it it got there we did it and then you also hate it because I probably aged three years in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> because at the time yeah there was a huge technical you know, there was a lot of structural steel to be involved in getting that to work so there's a lot of, a lot of calculations that have to be done a lot of communications with structural engineers a lot of digital files to be produced to go out to third-party companies to laser cut and water cut pieces that have to come back and fit exactly so there's a huge stress that several you know, hundred thousand pounds worth of stuff comes back and all bolts <laughs> together without any time for error but the ultimate achievement at the end were, I was very proud of because it, it worked and, and you, you get people sort of saying wow and get you know, a, a thing on screen that you kind of go oh I did that I put that together you realize that building a set yeah, it becomes immortalised. Once that's on film, you only get one chance to get it as best as you can. And, and once that camera is turned over on it, it's done. You know, you can't go back and paint over it. You can't. It's not a painting on a wall that you can kind of fiddle with and add a bit more to. Once it's shot, it's in, it's done. You can't. You can't go back. And that's on the DVD or whatever in the future for yeah forever. So yeah, so that that was a big one. That was a good one. I think all of us have a very gratifying job because we tend to see, especially if you're making something, you tend to see quite immediately the um, product that you've made. But I guess for you, the scale is so much more vast. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, particularly that one because it, the scale went off obviously into visual effects world. So you're working out not only what fraction of this can we afford to build and fit in a stage and also look huge. Yeah, it needed to be a set that looked big. You're also then again to the communications with the visual effects department to what part can we then achieve in a digital world what what extension what do we build to how do i provide them with a line that they can continue from they then that's where our roles in the sort of modern art department are increasing in the sense that rather than now just providing a 2d drawing for construction we're now producing the 3d element then to pass on to visual effects mm. to show what not necessarily would be built physically out of timber and plaster but also now what's going to be built digitally and, mm. and how the two marry together so it's just stretching our role further yeah actually you've mentioned that kind of element of technology and obviously the advent of set extensions of the, the world of green screen going forward and obviously in light of what's going on right now with covid yeah. and people re and i guess the film creative industry generally reassessing how it's going to move forward but with films maybe like there's less crew or whichever way it goes do you see that kind of technology being used more and more and more and then your role sort of changing even more than it may have done in the last 10-15 years definitely I, it was happening before this pandemic because it's a new it's not a new tool it's you know visual effects has always been there in the sense that it was maybe more of a physical thing you know map paintings have always been used on glass to provide extensions on on indiana jones that's still a visual effects thing it's it's now that their tool has become digital you know special effects after effects have always been put into to movies from from the beginning from early film it's now that we're using much more obviously green screen but yes as an art department we are still providing the design 
that goes into that green scene, like I said, as, as much as it's into a physical build. So it was already happening. A lot of shoots are now happening much more on a, on a green set. But I don't think that's new. I think that has been happening over the last 10 yeah. years. It, it's, uh, maybe there's a resurgence of it going the other way. Maybe we are you know, building more. I think now, we, yes, we'll obviously definitely now see because of restrictions on crew number, on cast number, things being shot more heavily onto green screen but i think also into new technologies there's more live action shooting on a visual effects sense that we're not shooting into a green screen but we're shooting into already a choreographed background that's linked up to a camera with the previous loaded in or the visual effects background already in so that the camera is shooting in almost real time a projected image of that oh. background so it's not necessarily a green screen it's a projected image oh wow so you're kind of already the post-production is happening earlier i think it's going to put a lot of weight on visual effects to be working more at, um, at an earlier stage where at the moment i think they they're always hit with a kind of here's what we filmed go away and <laughs> add in the bits in, in between which I, I know that their obviously timelines are very condensed for that yeah so i think it's going to be that we see it much more up front that we're going to be working with the extensions already seen in the green screen that it's kind of all happening in one place so yes it's, it's gonna carry on it's gonna increase hopefully we maintain you know the control in art departments that we the design doesn't slip away into too many different departments i think it's still key that the production designer has the role of design in the art department whether we're designing and drawing for physical builds or digital builds i think it's still paramount that that's kept within one unit and not sort of diluted across too many roles but yes it's going to change it's going to be different i don't know if we're going to have 300 extras who knows you know and, and whether that's going to become more digital i hope it isn't detrimental and affects the overall quality of what you see in the film yeah uh, we, all, we all obviously like to build as much as possible it keeps a lot of people busy yeah, and there's nothing course. better than having a physical thing to walk around or pick up and do so yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see how it how it changes. The main thing to do is to keep current, to keep up to date, to to, to be um, employable, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to, yeah. to not turn your back on it, but to embrace it. I think it's the sense of when three D printers first came into prop worlds it was kind of, oh it's the death of the prop maker well it's not it's prop makers now do 3d models and get it printed out and uh, utilize it as a new machine it's it's a new thing to embrace and use not to shy away from and to, yeah. to become knowledgeable of and learn and see how it can increase your own knowledge and yeah. how you could use it or how yeah. people use it themselves and how you go okay well if we do it like this maybe we use we'll do that bit digitally and uh, yeah yeah, definitely. I think um, use it to your advantage, I guess. I guess, you, like you said, there's no point shying away from it or kind of turning your noses at it because it is the way technology is, unfortunately, this is the thing that's going to yeah. keep on growing and yeah. evolving. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, but it's interesting because um, especially for the film and television world, it'd be interesting to see where things go post-pandemic and see what yeah. kind of, if, if there is a normality in that sense to return to. We will carry on. It's well people love to watch films yeah. <laughs> <We> <laughs> exactly if, if we've done anything i think a lot of people have been watching more and more so yeah. since yeah. we've been off or since the pandemic has started definitely so i think there is a place there is definitely a, there was a place in society obviously for entertainment like and I, entertainment is such a 
it seems like a frivolous term but actually it's not it has a really important place in society i think sometimes it does. that's it's forgotten escapism. yeah it's it's it is in times of you know recessions and everything else people do look for escapism they do look for that comfort uh, you know it's educational it's it's everything it can be just beautiful to watch and yeah just spark emotions everything of course it's entertainment and people do like it yeah definitely um talking of which what are the highlights of your job yeah when you do see that set finished and you do it works and and yeah people are filming and people and people don't realize i think maybe it's the sense that people don't know how much work's gone into it and just wowed by it and and just enjoy it and and people who aren't in the film industry watch things and they have that thought like I had when I was maybe at school they don't realize things are made around the corner in Shepparton I remember mm-hmm. speaking to you know a few American people who when I told them that Captain America was made in a shed you know in Shepparton and that <laughs> the shield was made at you know a company in Twickenham or something and they're kind of like what are you talking about it's Captain yeah it's, it's done it and it's it's just that maybe it's that anonymous knowledge that people enjoy things that you do and they don't know you've done it I don't know is that weird to say that no I think that's a few people have said that it's extremely I guess I'll go back to the word gratifying to know that someone's watching something that you've contributed towards yeah it is I don't want it to be like look at me I've done this aren't you it's very much more a kind of people to when I'm I don't know maybe at a family event in the past when you could have family gatherings and I'm being (laughs) talked to by a stepbrother and they're telling me about a job that I know inside and out because we all know the people that worked on it and they're telling me about how they oh they did this and they did that and you kind of go wow they really enjoyed that they really and they don't know all the grumblings that we have as a film industry all the (laughs) political things that go on in the background that people can go on forever about but it's it's an amazing job that we have we do stuff it's not a real job I mean (laughs) yeah sitting there designing a French ministry based on the 1920s that it's like this isn't real yeah what are you doing <laughs> oh I'm just we're doing at the moment oh, I'm working oh, I'm just doing a large crater for an impact from Superman <laughs> what, what what are you talking about where other people yeah would love to do our jobs and I feel very grateful that we get to do it yeah it's not real we have to remind ourselves that it's purely entertainment it's it's fun it's yeah. great so I enjoy it all I love it I love the the difference I love the fact that each job you do, you know you read the script you get an idea what the job might be when you hear the title but ultimately until you've read that script and you're looking at the reference that the designers pulled together with the researcher and going okay yeah yeah this is going to be nice and I get stuck into things I like the research I enjoy you know oh, what are we doing okay right and I get embedded in finding out as much as I can about the subject and putting that into use when designing the set yeah I, oh, I go on forever I, I just enjoy it it's great yeah, it's not real is it it's, it's, good. <laughs> it's yeah, there's a lot of money involved for a lot of people up the top there, but ultimately we get to do the nice bits. Yeah, very true. Um, other people have said that too. It's a bit of a surreal job and well, very privileged to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that brings me on to my final question, which is what are your three favourite torch oh, recommendations? The most difficult question. <laughs> it's the question that I've... It's Everyone says that. <laughs> there's, there's films I know that I've watched that I realise now have made me... Or, or have added to that path. I know that I, at the time of graduating, were, was watching Gladiator, or, or, or before um, graduation. But I know that that was a film that I suddenly became aware of making of documentaries, and and you suddenly had this knowledge that, hang on, they're British, they're all, and now fortunately able to work with some of the people that uh, you know I've, I've seen their work. Oh, that's done by 
people that are uh, in the UK and, and that's something maybe that I could do. And you realise now that that was a, a turning point, not necessarily even watching that film, but watching the making of, of films of that era. I like, yeah, the epic films at that size. And that was the immediate jobs that I went into. Alexander was a, a similar style of film. Uh, maybe that's why I picked Gladiator. So I know that that was definitely a film that I watched. And the films around that time of Saving Private Ryan, earlier looking at Jurassic Park, of course, those were films I remember going to see in the cinema and being kind of, wow, this is this is a big thing. This is an amazing <laughs> thing that as at the time of thinking of a, of a maker and seeing more the books and making of that these were people make this stuff. Yeah. This is stuff that is produced. So I, I do know that those films around that time, Gladiator, Saving Point Ryan, um, Braveheart, were turning points. And then adding into that stop motion animation films, I wrote my dissertation on uh, Nightmare Before Christmas because, again, I now realise from a, the point of design and making, it was me realising that these were films that everything on screen was made and that people I went to college with did then go and work more directly in animation films. And it was the link that, although Nightmare Before Christmas was a, an American-made production, again, I've since worked with people who animated on it and were involved in it, and even the production designer. And then linking that to Ardman and knowing that they were in Bristol and, and people doing work experience there and thinking, hang on a minute, this Hollywood film is linked directly to something that I'm doing and now is an avenue that I could go into. So even to mention Chicken Run, I think that came out. Oh, I love that movie. But again, I think it's one of the ones I remember watching and watching mainly more the making of the behind the scenes and going, oh, this is a career. The job, yeah. You feel like you should throw in some profound arty film and say, oh, yeah, Dr. Caragara was, you know, throw in <laughs> something that you think, oh, people really should watch that. But I don't think it is. It's more I know those are films that I really enjoyed and have definitely pushed me into where I am. So, yeah, so those and, and I directly worked on to animate on animation films, Fantastic Mr. Fox. And I, yeah, they, they do now hold responsibility for being with Fiona, my partner. We worked yeah. on an animation film. <laughs> we obviously now have our lovely daughter. There's films that I will forever remember because I worked on them and they had key points in my life. You know, Maleficent 2 is not necessarily a film I will watch um, again a lot in the future, but I know that our daughter was born during yeah. it. You know, she was involved in that, I think, and there's probably a bit of her in the sets in a way. You know, you're kind of you know, thinking about it all the time and it's... it's it's present so they're not necessarily films to recommend people to watch but they're definitely no I think they're just stepping stone and points that you yeah they're just as valid a recommendation just yeah any other art house film there maybe yeah yeah I mean, okay, that's it <laughs> um thank you for your recommendations and thank that's you right. for coming on <laughs> thank you very much it's been yeah. a pleasure Oh, I'm glad. Likewise. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sam. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to the directors of the character creation company Stitches and Glue, Becky and Paul. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.